Welcome to Retail Level Up's Moment with Mickey. In today's episode, we have a special guest, a retail entrepreneur who has been in the industry for many years, and I'm so happy to have her, Amy Wolf, from The Dog Spot, which is in Joseph, Oregon. Now, Amy Wolf and her husband, Chef Arian Caniff, opened The Dog Spot on Black Friday of 2017. And the concept is a small cafe focused on fresh-made foods, international fusion flavors, and smaller, healthier portions with wine, beer, and cider, all from the inland and Pacific Northwest, plus a small retail shop filled with pet gear and treats and human clothing and accessories with pet themes. So kind of like a, a rainforest cafe, but with dogs and cats. So please welcome... Amy Wolf. Yay. <laughs> so glad to have you here, Amy. Oh, excited to be here. Well, I'd like you to walk our audience through your background because you have a wealth of experience in the retail industry and would like to understand how you, um, you know, what you've done in the past and how you and Arian came to what you're doing today. Perfect. We'd love to share. Um, so after graduating college uh, with a degree in communications that focused in small group behavior, I still had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, still not even sure I've decided that completely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I jumped into retail as an assistant store manager for a large women's clothing company um, and I fell in love with every aspect of it. And um, that was Learner New York many, many years ago um, before they became New York and Company. Um, and uh, got to start going through their transition in that, in that process of going from Learner New York to New York and Company, which was absolutely fascinating to me. So there was a lot of learning, there was a lot of opportunity um, and a lot of growth potential there. Uh, I left that company um, and it's actually recruited by a, a former leader um, to the Disney stores mm. and absolutely fell in love with working uh, for Disney. The, the guest service model there is phenomenal, um, really great opportunities to learn and grow. Uh, the Disney Institute is an amazing um, opportunity for all of their store managers. And that was, that was a, a really fabulous experience and really drilled down to that customer service level, which is something that I really enjoyed, um, not only for the guests coming in, but for being a leader and helping the team grow and, and develop. Um, from Disney stores, I jumped over to some big box retail and did Office Depot um, and worked in a $10 million operation um, just kind of wanted that volume experience. I kept being told it was so different um, than my little retail stores we were, I was running and managing um, and really learned that it's not any different. It's customers coming in and taking care of them on a daily basis and making sure that people are happy and getting what they need. Um, so to me, it was the, the learn was it's, it's all about the experience. Um, and from there, I joined a great company called Coldwater Creek uh, as a store manager. Um, and by that time in my career, I was really ready to, to grow outside of that four wall experience uh, and was given an opportunity to join the store operations team there in a little town called Sandpoint, Idaho. 
<laughs> um, it was a perfect timing for me because I wanted to get back to my roots in the Pacific and Inland Northwest and be in mountains and have water um, as well as develop my career. So in store operations, I really had an opportunity to dig into all of those behind the scenes things that we know as store managers happen all the time and we don't know why and we don't know where it comes from and um, we don't see all of that hard work. Um, so being a part of that was an absolutely um, eye-opening experience as well as a great opportunity to learn all of the business aspects of retail. So everything, the, the financial end of it, um, more than just the four walls, the HR side of it, the marketing pieces that um, as store managers, we only get a peek at. We don't get to see all of the development. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I went to Tommy Bahama in Seattle. Um, great company. Uh, I, I was in the store operations team, um, had some great opportunities there. But for me personally, landing in Seattle was not the right course of action and had to make a decision based on um, that experience to move again down to the store operations team in Medford, Oregon, working for Harry and David. Um, and that was, again, an amazing transition. And part of that learning experience was about that transition again from, um, uh, I'm going to say small company. It wasn't small. Harry and David was very, very big. Um, but they had been bought by 1-800-Flowers in New York. So we were going through a big transition of um, becoming a, a single entity, but still keeping our own identity. Um, and there was a, a lot of great opportunities to learn about how um, this business model of a big corporation like 1-800-Flowers who was acquiring multiple brands and how they um, brought all of those brands together mm to kind of speak the same message, but still have our own identities. So that was, that was a really interesting deep dive into the corporate experience. Mm -hmm. um, and that brought us here. So <laughs> I think that, that we'll dig deeper into that in a little bit. I would love to share because this business is a two person um, compilation of our passions. So Chef Arian is, um, you know, he got his training in New Orleans. He went to school there, has a culinary degree and a food science degree. He has sent himself all over the world to travel countries far and wide to learn about how local people cook their local foods and the local ingredients mm -hmm. and just has an amazing passion for um, sharing all of those neat flavors that we don't find Oregon um, and being able to share those really interesting culinary delights with um, with with anybody and everybody who's willing to come in and try them. <laughs> uh, so we've, we've taken those two backgrounds and his 40 years of experience in the food and beverage industry and um, created this, this fun little business venture. Mm. Well, I've had the, the pleasure of eating some of Arian's mm -hmm. dishes. And I think it was, what, 12, 13 years ago that we had a, a Coldwater Creek retail operations co uh, um, potluck Thanksgiving at my house. And you guys were responsible for the turkey. And it was the most amazing turkey I have 
ever tasted or seen. It was beautiful. And the stuffing was incredible. So I was uh, recently in Boise, Idaho for a road trip. And we took the Oregon path to come back up to Northern Idaho. And boy, I was really tempted to make a little side trip to Joseph, Oregon to come and visit you in your establishment, which is on Main Street. Not a through destination. Yeah. Well, yes. it's, it's only five hours away from me. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm planning on a trip. <laughs> so tell me. <laughs> and I know you can do it in five hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so tell me what what the two of you, what were you thinking when you decided that I know that you needed to move to Joseph? I think you were going to be there for family reasons. But what was the decision making process? What caused you to want to open your own business? Um, so the the line I give most of my customers is that we just we're insane. Um, <laughs> but the, the reality is, um, we had for 20, over 20 years, we had always tossed ideas around of what we would do if we ever left the corporate world or if we needed to do something different. Um, and at this moment in time in our lives, um, we were going through, uh, Arian had some health issues, um, so he wasn't working as much. I was realizing that the, the corporate world just wasn't going to be... Um, as inspirational to me anymore and my career path was um, not as exciting to me so I was losing some of that interest personally in what um, what the corporate world was going to be able to offer me. Um, we had also lived in after Sandpoint which we absolutely loved and thought was going to be our forever home mm -hmm. down in Medford which is a beautiful beautiful community but it just wasn't, didn't have that feeling that we wanted out of a permanent residence. Mm -hmm. um, and then, as you mentioned, my, I had some other family health uh, issues and um, just the, the world was just throwing a lot of darts at our dartboard for us <laughs> as opposed to us. Um, and to take control of that again and feel like we had some influence on it, um, we just started kind of spitballing what would we do? What would we do? And we realized that there were two things that drove us in our lives. And that was always the food and our pets. Hmm. Um, and so we started saying, what, what could we do to bring those together? Um, and there was a business up here in Joseph that we were very interested in, in acquiring. Um, and the owner was finally deciding she was wanting to retire and willing to talk to us. So we opened up those conversations. Um, but as I think we'll talk about with some of the other questions and topics, um, we will discover that a business plan doesn't necessarily go in a straight line. <laughs> so, um, here we thought we were jumping into this really great idea. And it was it's always been this concept of combining pets and food um, or pet items and human food. Um, but we're definitely not where we thought we would be when we started developing four years ago. Okay. So how did you decide on the product that you wanted to sell or offer? Right. Um, so we did a couple of things. We said, we just, we set some standards. I think that was the biggest thing is just developing the structure around what we were going to do because 
both of these industries, the, the food industry and the pet uh, related product industry, they're huge. They're, they're ginormous. Mm-hmm. Um, so narrowing down those thoughts um, and what is important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the, on the retail side of it, we said, we are looking at moving to Joseph. We want to do a business in Joseph. Um, what are, why do people shop in Joseph? And the majority of our customer here are tourists. So we rely heavily on tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, and people come to this area because they want to enjoy the events that happen. They want to go outside and enjoy the outdoor activities. It's a very, very pet-friendly area with camping and RVing. And, mm-hmm. um, and the people in this area own, there's probably more pets in homes than people in, in the majority of homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's outside of, those are pets. Then there's horses and cows and <laughs> sheep and all of that as well. I don't do any of those types of products. Um, it was as we were talking, what is it that we, that we focus on? Um, so one of the things that we did early on is we actually um, created our business, got our LLC and went to a pet product expo. Hmm. Um, one of the largest ones in the U S is in Las Vegas in August. And um, that's just a hop, skip and a jump from Edford. So we popped on down there to check things out. And, and kind of see, so how do we narrow down what the product assortment is and what do we decide to do? And that's Lola joining the conversation. <laughs> it happens when my office is in the middle of the shop as well. Um, uh, and decided that it's so huge, we had to put some really strict parameters on things. Mm-hmm. So um, as many vendors and items that we could get out of the Pacific Northwest and Inland Northwest. Um, and that, that is actually incredibly doable. I was surprised to find out how many amazing um, companies there are in Washington, uh, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, um, that oh, Utah, Colorado even, that um, do a really great pet products. Um, and then, um, you know, we also said little things make us laugh because humor is very important in our lives. So we have some companies that are across the United States that we use because they have very authentically funny products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's always nice to get a laugh. Um, and then we, we actually took those same thing, parameters and applied them to the food side of the business and said, of course, we want to bring in as many local type products and really um, uh, focus on what uh, the offering is in the area. It became very clear early on that that was going to be a lot more difficult than the retail side. Mm. Um, uh, so the other thing that we um, set up in our, our parameters on what we were going to do was that we had to be as flexible as we possibly could when making these decisions. And, um, and I think that flexibility has really paid off over the three years in just being able to adapt to everything the world throws at you. Mm. (laughs) Um, but yeah I I also have a really tiny square footage so as things begin to change our first business opportunity we were looking at that fell through had a much larger square footage Um, and as things progressed we ended up in a building that has a very small footprint Um, so taking that narrowed product assortment and kind of deciding what the most important things were we opened with a very, very tiny assortment. I mean, it was key items and key categories. 
And um, as the years have progressed, I've added on, I've changed, um, you know, I, the, there's a positive and a negative for this. I don't have a back room. So I have very little storage space, a couple shelves. So I can't buy large quantities of anything because I don't have room to put it, um, which allows me then to figure out what sells through really well. Um, and I can bring in more, or if it doesn't sell through really well, I'm not stuck with a whole bunch of inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, so little, little lessons like that, that didn't necessarily work part of the original plan, but have worked out really well for us. And we continue to learn and grow as we go through, um, you know, what our customers ask for. I listen to the customer a lot, not all the time, but a lot, um, and have, have picked some brands and influenced uh, buying decisions based on the needs of the people and their pets. Hmm. So what is your selling square footage of the boutique, would you estimate? Um, I probably only have about um, uh, four, no, 300 sterling square feet. Okay. It's very, very small. Okay. Um, so being... I've probably taken a, over a little bit more this year than I did last year. So maybe I'm up to 400. <laughs> Not as, as much indoor seating, perhaps? Correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wow. So the, the focused product assortment is really key and, and the disciplines that you put around that. So many boutique shop owners kind of get entrapped in that um, feeling that they, they have to answer all the needs and they start to get creep in their product categories and they get a little too broad and then they lose their focus. So it sounds like you have a really good tight control over that and you don't fall into that trap. I have found myself every once in a while, if I find a brand that I just love, um, I sometimes bring in a little too broad of a spectrum. Um, but because I can't do huge buys, it narrows itself down pretty quickly. And then I, I have to remind myself that, no, we're not replenishing these items, but we're going to replenish these so that I can continue to support those brands, um, but not, yeah, not kill myself on inventory. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is that... Um, you have a, a local focus. So there, there's a, a, just a very clear story about what you're offering. And it gives um, your customers a reason, especially tourists, that they want to buy it because it's from that area. Right. Um, yeah. That and because these particular companies also manufacture their products in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a real positive not 100% of the stuff in the building is um, USA made, but probably about 80% of it. Wow. Um, and I, I, we try really hard to, to supply that high quality um, product as maybe in the USA labels and is local-ish. Um, and it's definitely, it is our, um, our tourists love that. We're, you know, they come in and specifically ask, well, what's, what's made around here? And, you know, around here gets to be very broad when you live in a little tiny town because nothing, nothing is made right here. Right, <laughs> but right. um, when I can say Portland or uh, Bozeman, Montana, or right out of Seattle, uh, people get very excited about that because those mm-hmm. are places that they know and have seen on maps as they plan their trips here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. So I know that the, the first business that you thought about acquiring or, or going into in Joseph, 
that didn't that didn't come through for you. So how did you select the location? What were some things that you were looking for? So <laughs> Joseph is is a tiny tiny community, um, smaller than Sands Point, but that same um, kind of concept of it's four blocks of commerce, mm -hmm. um, and that's it. Um, and the buildings here are 90% of them built very early on in the history of Joseph. Um, and so have been adapted and adapted and changed and adapted. Um, <laughs> so when our first opportunity fell through, we, we decided uh, there was another small building for sale. Um, and we thought we would pursue that and purchase that. It was going to change our business model quite a bit because it was about um, a quarter of the size of the original place we were looking at. Mm. Um, but it had a big walk-in and Arian was super excited about that. So we felt we could, we could figure it out. We'll, we'll figure out what happens in this location, but we'll own it so that we can make changes. And uh, it was a little newer construction. So um, felt a little, uh, we felt really comfortable that that, building had a lot of potential for us. Then that fell through. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, so at that point, we actually said, we're just going to move. Um, we, you know, we needed to get here. We needed to be present in the community, um, helping my, uh, my family with, with the things that they needed help with. And um, so and I wanted to be done with my job and just have a nice clean break. And then we could focus on what we needed to do when we were here. Um, and of course, when I gave my notice at my company, there was some panic and um, I ended up signing a contract to work remotely uh, for a while because I didn't have anything going on. Mm -hmm. um, so we moved here um, and kind of during this, there was a business owner that I had heard about who was running a little um, cafe out of, one of the storefronts on Joseph, kind of in B block. Like it is out of the four blocks, there's one that has the most um, stable community of, of retailers and business owners. Mm -hmm. It hasn't changed as much as some of the others. Um, and it is kind of the core of the shopping experience. Um, and so I reached out to her and said, hey, you know, I hear that you might be thinking about um, wrapping up your business. Let me know what's going on. And she said, no, not at all. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> so um, once I signed that contract to work um, remotely and we started moving, she called me back and said, oh, I am done. Um, what, you know, what do you want to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I said, well, uh <laughs> I don't want to miss this opportunity to be in this space because uh, as we know, location is one of the key elements of uh, a successful business. Um, and this is one of the prime locations on our main street. The building itself was never designed to be a restaurant. It had been adapted and adapted. Um, it is, there's no central heating or air. It is a beautiful, beautiful, old, old building. Um, but it definitely has some challenges, but it has amazing storefront windows and a nice 40 feet of storefront that is um, just gorgeous. Yeah. So uh, we 
developed a contract and I bought all of the stuff that was sitting in the building from her and negotiated with the landlords to take over her lease. Um, and this became our building okay. uh, with lots of sweat and tears because it got passed over to us really dirty. And <laughs> we couldn't walk in and use it. We had to do quite a bit. Um, yeah. wow. uh, but it was fun and it actually gave us a real sense of ownership having to start from the bottom and repaint and clean and scrub and do all of that. Um, and, and we, we both kind of enjoyed that part of it. It gave us a chance to really dig in and mm -hmm. set things up from the bottom up. Um, so, so you know, the, the whole process, we, we tell people, we didn't really choose. We, we knew where we wanted to be and we took, um, without being dramatic about it, but kind of took what was, what was presented to us. Mm -hmm. And when was that that you signed the deal? Um, that was in September of 2017. Okay. So literally two months later, yeah. you opened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> when it was really important. Yeah, it was. It was. And part of that is because we had done a lot of legwork prior to that, thinking that we had other opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and we never stopped focusing on what had happened for the business, even when we didn't think we were moving quickly forward. Um, we had a lot of boxes checked on what needed to be done. Um, we didn't open immediately with a liquor license. So it was another month before we could serve beer and wine. Um, but those were, you know, those were things that kind of, it, it kind of worked. It was a slow progression of getting these things open and introducing ourselves to the community. Mm -hmm. um, because although people, a lot of people here knew who we were because we had vacationed here for 10 years before moving here. Um, uh, there were men, so many more who didn't. And we were doing something very different mm -hmm. in this area. Just mm -hmm. the concept of having retail and restaurant in one place, um, doing something that isn't, um, Oh, there's no fryer in our restaurant. We don't deep fry anything. We don't have a grill. We don't do burgers. We don't, um, we don't do a lot of things that you will find very consistently in other places. Mm -hmm. um, we are, we're definitely very, very unique mm -hmm. in the area. Oh, that, that makes such a difference though. Well, it does. It, it has definitely given us a hook. And as we have said, we're not for everybody. Not everybody is going to want this style of meal, this style of food. Um, but those who find us have been very um, complimentary and, and happy with what we're doing. So Awesome. I love this. So um, what kind of marketing did you do in the beginning? And, and you could include um, untraditional types of marketing, like what you said about getting to know the, the um, people in the community and them getting to know you, but what did you do in, in the beginning? So we, uh, we wanted to be very grassroots and because we were opening very intentionally during off season. Um, mm. There are three months of the year here that are, it's like an entirely different town and that's our tourist season and that's the summer months. Um, and then those people go away and it gets cold and it gets, it's beautiful, but it gets very, very quiet. And so we knew we needed to speak to the local population first and foremost. Um, 
at why we pushed to open so quickly so that we had lots of time before that tourist crowd showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did, um, started out by, the doors were open when we were cleaning and setting up and people just wandering through, what are you doing? I mean, this is a community where anybody will stop and talk to you. <laughs> Everybody wants to know what's going on. So you're just talking to people as they wandered around or, I mean, it was amazing to me how many days, even when it was cold out and the doors were not wide open, people would just walk in like, Hey, what's going on in here? Um, But having that conversation with them and letting people know what we were doing, um, using those local friends that we had already developed to help us kind of spread the word. Um, Uh, Getting, um, you know, reaching out to the local newspaper. There are still newspapers in this area. Mm-hmm. People read them on a daily basis. Um, and it is actually a really important communication tool here. So making sure that uh, we got an article in the paper about what we were doing. And uh, we actually, I don't think I have yet had to spend money to get anything in the newspaper. It's been very, um, we've been very lucky that uh, we've had people on that team there who uh, found us early on and continue to support us by keeping us um, you know, looped around every once in a while with an article about what's happening at the dog spot. Um, we did use social media. This community has um, a, a Facebook page uh, for the county where they post all kinds of things. So we connected our uh, business uh, Facebook page to that so that we make sure we're posting information there. Um, and, and that was really it. We, <laughs> we then relied on word of mouth. And so as locals came in and experienced us and had a good experience, we just asked them to share with their friends and to bring in people. And then that first summer, that was what we saw was our local guests bringing in all of the people that come visit them during that summer season to check us out and see us. Mm-hmm. Um, Yelp and TripAdvisor were big tools for us as well, making, asking people to post about us and to write reviews. Um, and that, that definitely drew in um, uh, a lot of people. I mean, people would say, hey, I, and they still to this day, it's like, oh my gosh, you've got great reviews on Yelp or you've got great reviews on TripAdvisor. And mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, we, we, we both have some really strong opinions about those platforms that are probably not the most positive opinions, um, but we use them because we know we need to, and they are definitely uh, great tools uh, to be in the toolbox. Yes. So do you do anything different with your marketing now? Um, well, we don't read any of our reviews on Yelp or TripAdvisor. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no, I stopped reading those. Um, our guests come in and tell us, oh my gosh, you've got the greatest reviews. And we're like, well, thank you. Um, but you learn really quickly that one negative review can bring you personally mm-hmm. down and into a bad spot um, very, very quickly because I mean, both of us grew up in face-to-face contact generations. And we really believe that if somebody truly has a bad experience or something negative has happened to them that the best way to resolve it is by speaking directly to a person and getting it resolved and not sharing it with the world because 
frequently it is so simple and easy to fix or it is a misunderstanding. Um, and uh, and we, we feel very strongly that, you know, we want our guests to have a great experience here. Um, we also know we aren't for everybody. <laughs> I'll say that over and over and over again. Um, and uh, we don't want people to feel poorly about their experience here, but um, I think that those the social media platforms allow people to say things that they wouldn't normally say in real life. Absolutely. And so it makes it difficult when we when we want to be those great hosts um, to to have something like that. And you know, it could be just a weird word that somebody chooses to use. So. It's not even necessarily a bad review or something, just the way somebody said something. You're like, oh, that, what? Yeah. <laughs> so we just ignore those now. That's really the biggest thing we do differently. And um, we still use, I mean, we use Facebook a lot uh, for communicating. Um, and we, you know, we ask people to leave us reviews on Yelp and TripAdvisor, but we don't read them anymore. Okay. That's a very interesting approach. <laughs> so um, you talked a little bit about when you were first developing your plan for your business. So did you actually sit down and write out a business plan? I, I did. I, um, I did that. I used um, some local resources as well. So there is a branch of the small business development, hmm. SBDC, where I don't know what C stands for, um, and, uh, center maybe um, here in Malawa County. And part of the things that we didn't know um, were things specific to this county in this area, just mm -hmm. financial things that we were interested in. You know, what, what do people pay uh, per square foot for rents and mm -hmm. so things like that. Um, where do people go for help when they're small businesses? Um, so I reached out early on to a counselor there and we had sat down and done some great work together and then um, did do a business plan Part of that was because we thought we were going to have to borrow money mm -hmm. uh, to start off with. Um, so the, the two first uh, kind of key business opportunities with them following through, we didn't have to borrow all that money, but I had a business plan. So mm -hmm. I knew what we were into it for and where we could easily make adjustments. All of that was on paper. It was really nice to have. Yeah. Um, what I haven't done I started to in the spring this year because we thought we were expanding and going to kind of grow our business um, in more than just the few things we've done so far. Um, and I was going to need to ask for more money. And that was what we were working on in March. <laughs> and ah. I've just got that to the side at this point. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we'll review it again, but I, I don't, I haven't kept it as developed and probably up to date. For the first year, I actually really tracked numbers in um, the tools that the, the business development community gave me. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that was nice to have. Okay. Do you have a mission statement? Um, so I was digging around because I know that we had written one, uh -huh. but again, and I can share with you what it ended up being. We don't <laughs> use it now because it was really designed for that larger space and some other things that we had wanted to do in that space. Um, so it was as simple, this simple, creating possibilities for pets and their people. Um, and I think what we've really done is instead of having 
a, a mission statement. We just have those guidelines that we follow. So mm-hmm. we, you know, as much product as we can that's in inland the Pacific Northwest. Um, when we can get local product for the food side of the business, we, we bring produce in all summer long. You know, we try to work with local area um, suppliers for food. Um, the food and beverage industry is very convoluted and has rules that um, kind of get in the way sometimes mm-hmm. for these small communities. Yeah. Um, so we do what we can to, uh, to, to honor that. And then um, on the food side, it's uh, you know, fresh made. Arian does all of everything from scratch, except mm-hmm. for the bread and the tortillas, really. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But all of the spice mixes, he brings in whole spices, he toasts them, he oh, grinds lovely. them, he creates his own spice blends. Um, so, so it is it is all made with love from scratch. Nothing nothing arrives in our shop. You know, maybe five percent of our product arrives in a can, but nothing arrives pre-made. That's amazing. Wow. So could you share um, what tools you use specifically on the technical side? Because I know a lot of our audience members are interested in if they're going to start something what you know technical tools do they just need to make sure that they have and what would be your recommendations so um to manage my day-to-day business i use square okay um and um because we have my my biggest challenge has been finding platforms at the beginning that um i could do restaurant and retail together mm-hmm. um and square has a great restaurant side and they have a great retail side but if you get down into the deep of either one of those, then you kind of eliminate the crossover. So I just use their very basic um, platform. Um, I, I think one of my big learnings at the beginning, and as we continue to grow as a business, I'll probably go back and revise this. But because I had that operational background, I made things way too complicated at the beginning. <laughs> so that was a big lesson for me is yes, I need to control my inventory, but honestly, even during the summer when I have a couple employees, I'm the person. <laughs> I do the ordering. I do the majority of the selling. I rearrange the floor. Um, so I know what my product is and how much I have. And so having all of those inventory tools, which even the basic square program allows me to use, um, I had made it just a little too complicated and had gone too far into the weeds at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that that made that complicated for was then when I did hire people was they had a hard time finding what they needed to find. Mm. Um, I don't use a scanner. I don't use barcodes. I, I just keep it as simple as I can. I hand price all of my product when it comes in. And again, I have a small enough assortment um, and inventory level that that's a feasible thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, there will probably, I hope, <laughs> I'm planning for in the future that I will need to change that and update it um, to have, a, a, I'm not going to say better, but a more in-depth inventory control system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for right now, um, it is it is very manageable um, and Square does a lot of things. And then when I did start hiring people, um, I, I use Square to do all of that HR paperwork, oh. which is very nice. So I still have to do the, the I-9 and W-4, have those on file, 
but they file everything else that needs to happen for me um, mm. at the beginning. So any of the new hire paperwork by state that has to be filed um, and then my quarterly tax filings and, and all of that for payroll. Um, oh, and that nice. has been nice because I don't like the, I understand it all. I don't like doing the bookkeeping and financial end of it. So having them take care of that for payroll. Is nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what do you use for timekeeping? You also use Square? I use Square as well. So they have timekeeping, um, their HR system. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want you to plug any particular company, but I will say that during this, um, during the COVID, uh, Square has been incredibly adaptable um, and things like cutting fees um, for those three key months where we were all not able to open as a restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure retail was the same way for them, um, but just helping support us as business owners um, on the financial end of it as well uh, mm-hmm. was, was really gratifying. And it was, I was very happy to be with a company that um, understood the financial implications. Yes. Uh, what do you use? I guess square for credit card processing, right? Yes. I do. And part of that is because I wanted to take as many credit cards as I could. So I, you know, American Express and Discover are two that frequently are hard to, or you pay more on for processing. Right. Um, could I pay lower fees? Probably. Um, but because I can take all of those cards and um, I can run, you know, all of my business. So checks and cash through Square to, to do the accounting for everything. I only pay fees on what, you know, what is swiped or tapped or dipped. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing that I did do as a business owner during the pandemic issues, and I still, even to this day when we're open for business now, um, if people want to pay over the phone for takeout food, I ask them if they'd be willing to meet me outside to pay because we do pay a little bit higher fees on heed mm-hmm. cards. And I just, I am one of those, I'm just honest with people. I will happily meet you outside if you don't want to come in the building, but I'm going to be honest with you. I pay more money if I have to type in your number. And it surprises people who are not in this industry. Yeah. They don't understand that we pay to use their credit cards. Um, So it's an education service as well. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Any other technical services that you use, third-party services? Um, I I don't, um, I have a bookkeeper who does my accounting through QuickBooks. Um, So QuickBooks would be the other thing that I I get my reporting out of, but I don't personally use it yet. I'm going to have to start. (laughs) I know, (laughs) I see it in my future, but um, it was kind of that decision at the beginning of the business that because we are doing everything, we are the owners and have to have our fingers in everything. There are just a couple of things that, if you can identify right away that you know you are you don't enjoy doing, mm-hmm. so they're going to be painful and take you longer, pass them off to people who can do them professionally until you have the bandwidth to bring those into your daily life. Because to pay somebody, it, it does cost me money, but the time it would take for me to sit down and do that, even though, again, I, I understand it all, it's not a difficult thing, it's just not fun for me. So yeah, I knew that right away. Those are (laughs) tough decisions that uh, as a business owner, you have to make that there are certain things, tasks you don't like to do. And then is it worth it to you to 
pay somebody else to do that because your time is money. And so, but mm-hmm. picking and choosing because, you know, there's certain things that, okay, I'm, I don't like doing this, but I'm going to do it because I can, I'm able. Yeah. Totally get that. All right. So um, <laughs> what was the most surprising thing you discovered when you opened your store? Hey, you know, I, you, you were kind and sent me these questions to think about ahead of time. And that was the just one that I've been struggling with. There were a lot of surprises. So, um, and it, you know, there were some personal ones. Um, I had always said I would absolutely never, ever, ever wait tables again because I hate it, <laughs> but I'm really good at it. So. <laughs> I've been doing it for three years now and I complain about it constantly, um, but I, I'm actually pretty good at it. So, um, there were, yeah, there was a break there. You said in, in, um, okay. small business is considered. So in, in, yeah. In the small business world in the United States, a small business is considered any business under 500 employees. <laughs> and when you are a business with one or two, uh-huh. <laughs> um, there's just no comparison. Like there's no comparison between two employees and 15 employees. Like that's, that's a big jump. Yes. Um, so learning how to maneuver in a world where there isn't a designation for a mom and pop shop, like you, you, you are not, we don't have a standing as a, as a small business community. We are supported by all those same organizations. Um, uh, I mean, American Express has done some great things to help small businesses and sending out um, information and kits and little floor things like right now where you can set up your six foot apart on the floor. Um, but but on the financial side of it, when you talk to organizations, there's just, you're just all lumped into this one big group. Um, wow. And that, that is, that is very interesting. And I thought it was very, very surprising to me. I, I really had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe that was my, that was my biggest okay. surprise. So one of the biggest and toughest transitions I have found personally is going from the corporate world, working for other people, other, you know, working for a business and then owning the business and being your own boss. And I, I think that it is one of the toughest transitions because knowing you, you are driven, you, you know, have high expectations of yourself. You delivered all of your projects, you know, on time or early, you always um, were a go-to person. And then now you are your own boss and you have to hold yourself accountable. And there's lots of parts of the business you really don't like to do how do you motivate yourself to do those parts and get it all done when you're the only one? Well, of course you, you, you do have chef Arian to, you know, help, help hold you accountable, but how do you hold yourself accountable when you're the boss? Yeah. And I'm a tough, gosh, my boss is terrible. Sometimes. Um, she can be so tough. <laughs> um, well, so part of that, that is like the first half of that is the it's, it's, seems to be very cliche but it's so it's true if you do what you love you will love what you're doing and you're not it's not work so 
Um, I love helping pets have a better life. Um, I have joined the board of the Humane Society here because I, that is such a passion of mine. Um, so the, the finding that, that those items and being able to share that with people and um, being excited about um, making a pet's life better or being excited about helping people show that they love their pets because they can get a t-shirt that says something on it or, or whatever that that is that just that motivates me in and of itself um being excited i mean i arian does this amazing food and he's fed me for almost well 25 years now hmm. um and i absolutely love every meal he's ever made for me so being able to talk about what he does and his talents and um, you know, I tell people I have a wizard in the kitchen. It's, it is, um, those things are exciting and they are that self-energizing, self-motivating. Um, getting up every single day and doing it, that is definitely a struggle, but it is also how we pay the bills and are able to do anything else in life. Um, so it, again, it kind of becomes that self-motivator, um, there are days where it's tough right now. It's been very, very tough. We, we shut down in fall for about um, three and a half weeks um, because summer is crazy and we can't really deep clean and, and get in the corners during the summertime. So by the end of summer, it's time to pull everything out and scrub and, and do that more than surface cleaning. Um, mm-hmm. Plus we just need a break to separate ourselves from the business. So I think part of what motivates us is that we know in the fall and then again in the spring before summer happens again, we take a little time to ourselves. Good. Uh, this year has been so stressful and so anxiety causing and um, had ups and downs. And we have been blessed that we had a very solid summer business-wise here. Yes. Uh, but so we were exhausted when it came to the time and, Saturday, this last Saturday was our last day of business. And it's been really hard to motivate myself to do those last few things I need to do before we can actually leave town and go on vacation. Um, That's a motivator. Yeah, we're just exhausted, but vacation is. So I think it's, it's developing a process in your entire plan that says it's okay to take time for yourself as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't ignore that. Right. Um, so whatever that might be, if your plan is it's one day a week throughout the year, or if it's a chunk of time at one point in time, it is very hard to walk away from the money that we could be making on these weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, especially because the RV parks are still full of people, which is very unusual in this area, this yeah. time of year. Um, and it's getting really, really cold. So doggy coats are very popular. Right now. Um, but by giving ourselves the permission to take that time and go do something um, that helps motivate us to get through those day to days when you're having ups and downs and you're having the days where you're like, I just can't like me. I am not waiting another table. People can help themselves. Gosh, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right. So any last um, important tips that you'd like to share with our audience who might be thinking about starting their own business? Any final do's and don'ts? I think um, plan. 
So you'd asked about the business plan. I think plan, 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 plan. Um, and then be really flexible. <laughs> that plan may not happen anywhere like you think it's going to happen. Um, I think in my, in my corporate career, one of the things I always said was, I have to know all of the rules because I need to know what all of those things are um, because things aren't always going to happen right and we may have to break a rule. We need to know which ones we're breaking. We need to know which ones can be broken and, and will survive. Um, uh, you need to know the plan so that when things do go wrong or maybe wrong is the wrong word, but things go different, um, that you can either get back on track or adapt the plan to fit the new scenario. Um, and, and that flexibility is key. If you are just set that this is, I'm, this is what I'm doing and this is going to be the outcome, it's not going to work that way. It's just, it's just not. <laughs> um, and, and then when it does, so let's say it just all went smooth and it does, then what? Like there's going to be more. Um, so that flexibility is, is so important. And just knowing um, that uh, like that failure is an option and there are so many things that can happen. And one of them might be failure and it may just be one little piece. It's not working right and it's failing. So we go on to the next thing and just accept that that wasn't the right thing. Good tips, Amy. So um, if our listeners and, and our audience would like to learn more about the dog spot, they can check out your website at lovethedogspot.com. Um, or if they happen to be traveling in the Northwest, specifically in the Northeast area of Oregon, they should definitely plan a side trip through Joseph and visit your location at 19 South Main Street. Absolutely. Yay. Well, thank you so much. It's so great talking with you and seeing you again. And you too. I wish you and Chef Arian a very restful and wonderful vacation. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Bye.